from 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock in the morning for your spiritual blessings and upliftment. For community news, your interviews, special requests, and others, tune into 105.2 MHz ETA and 103.8 MHz on cable. We delight and entertain you. Hey, we also have more stuff coming your way. We have business matters. We have social and educational matters. We have health and healing matters. We also have legal matters. For more information, call us on 020-368-1968. We delight and entertain you. Voice of Niger on Radio Razo every Monday from 6 to 10 a.m. Razo! Voice of Ninja is right here to promote your business. Yes, your social events, weddings, birthday parties, baby ceremonies, graduation, anniversaries, engagements. All your events can be promoted right here on Voice of Ninja. Yes, you heard me right. Don't know about you because you're not promoting your business. We can bring you the awareness that you need for all those revivals, seminars, special events, conferences, church services, your Sunday services, your social events, weddings, birthday parties, baby ceremonies, graduation, anniversaries, engagements. Call us today right now at 06-846-06-550. That's 06-846-06-550. Voice of Ninja, your place to advertise. Anyone can catch Corona. Corona does not discriminate. Stay at home. Only go out if you must. Always keep one and a half meter distance. Obey the rules. You risk a fine of up to 400 euros per person if you don't. For more information, visit our website, amsterdam.nl slash coronavirus.
Nicolai Duncan, it's a pleasure to welcome you to our Good Morning Show. I'd like to say uh, God bless you and uh, it's nice to be back again. You can join me this morning as we worship the Lord and just express your gratitude, your heartfelt thanks to God and worship Him in this inspirational segment of our broadcast. At this juncture, I'd like to ask you to join me as I pray to declare this uh, session open. And Father God, we thank you for today. On behalf of every family household, we just want to magnify your name and thank you for your... family members, loved ones, on behalf of the nation, leaders, those in authority, thank you for everyone. We pray that you will continue to watch over, protect, and help us in all our issues, challenges. We want to be able to stand boldly and to declare that the Lord is merciful, the Lord is kind, and to bring him acceptable worship. Yes, you have been good, you have been gracious, and you've been kind in many ways. Take your praise, Father. Take your honor in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you that your spirit is still at work among us, touching those who need your touch, helping those who need your help, and bringing conviction to those who must stand from their wicked ways. Father, we just celebrate you and appreciate you for who you are. This morning we commit the broadcast into your hands. Use it to touch lives as you will. Bless our listeners and do them good. Reach out to everyone under the sound of my voice. Their homes, their personal lives. Even as you will. We thank you for the blessings of this day and for this week and for the rest of this month. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.
lift your voice. They call you God. So worthy is your name, say word. Let yourself go and give yourself up in worship and thanksgiving and in prayer to God. Perhaps you are still on your way to, to work or you are still resting. Whatever way and form and shape situation you are in, you can open your mouth. Magnify the Lord with me. And let's exalt his name together.
you, Lord. We give you praise. Thank you for the successful elections in America. Thank you uh, that you're going to help other places hold your elections this year. Before the end of the year, we pray it shall go smoothly and safely. In the mighty name of Jesus. At this point, I want us to, I want to bring uh, the psalm of today. I'm taking it from the 18th Psalm of the Bible. From verse 1, it says, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who speak unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. And my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The sorrows of death compass me. The flaws of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compass me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto him, my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him and even to his ears. And then, then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. There went up smoke out of his nostrils and fire out of his mouth devoured coals. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down and darkness was under his feet. And he rode upon a cherub and did fly. Yea, he did fly upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his sacred place, his pavilion. Round about him were dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. At the brightness that was before him, his thick clouds passed, hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the highest gave his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. Yea, he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He shot out lightnings and discomfited them. The channels of waters were seen and the foundations of the earth were discovered at the rebuke. O Lord, at the blast of the breath of thy nostrils, he sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of many waters, he delivered me from my strong enemy and from them that hated me, for they were too strong for me. They prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands, hath he recompensed me. Hallelujah. May the Lord recompense you, may the Lord reward you according to the cleanness of your hearts and according to your righteousness.
supernatural right now. The Holy Spirit is about to move in this place like never before. The power of God is about to touch you like never before. The power of God is about to heal you like never before. Wherever you are, just lift up your voice and just bless the name of Jesus wherever you are. In the name of Jesus, 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 lift up your voice and just exalt the name of Jesus Christ. There is a release of the supernatural. Case you're still with us and joining, enjoying this uh, inspirational segment. Uh, in the next few moments, we'll be bringing to you the exhortational word dubbed the miracles of Jesus to be presented by Apostle Helen Ruth Dorkino. Please stand by.
talking to Coastal Pastor of Rivers of Life Bible Church. This morning is a pleasure to bring the word of God to you. As I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking to myself as well. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you and we bless your holy name for the privilege to share the word of God to this generation. We thank you for this careful line that you're going to use it for the glory of your name. That you will touch lives, you will change lives, you will impact lives and you will heal lives this very day. Make us what you have deserved us to be. At the end of the day, may glory and honor be given to you and you alone, Jehovah. In the mighty name of Jesus, your only begotten Son, we pray with thanksgiving and let all the saints say a big amen. Come on, say a joyful amen. Come on, say a thunderous amen. Come on, say amen as if you are joyful. As if God has given you life this day to live for that purpose. Come on, shout amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, my topic this wonderful, uh, in this short word of exhortation is receive newness today. Receive newness today. God is always presenting us with opportunities. God is always giving us opportunities. We don't have to dwell in our past. By the way, I'm transmitting through Radio Voice of Niger on 103.8 megahertz ETA and 105.2 megahertz cable. And so some of you can also join us right now on Facebook on Radio Voice of Niger. And in case you have any question, feel very, very free to call the studio line or give us a shout. Now, once again, for those who have just tuned in, I said that my topic this morning is on what? On receiving newness. Say newness. Receiving newness. That means from time to time, the old nature has to go away. You don't need to continue to put the new wine in an old cake. Because when you put a new wine in an old cake, it will just burst. So God is always giving us the privilege to have newness, to have renewal. God is always giving us the, the privilege to drop the old and pick up the new. That's why the Bible tells us in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So somebody who have just tuned in and you are hearing my voice, it is a privilege. I'm being geared this morning, positioned by the Holy Spirit to let you know that you were a drunkard last night, but this morning you can be new. You were a whore last night, but this morning you can be new. You were a murderer last night, but this morning you can be new. You were a thief last night, you bet this morning you can be made whole just by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. You can receive him not by going to heaven. No, you can receive him wherever you are at this very moment just by making a proclamation. 
saying, Jesus, the Son of the living God, come into my life and live from today. I acknowledge the Father I'm a sinner and I've sinned all through my life, but now I want you to come into my life and be my Lord and personal Savior. I receive you in my life today as my Lord and personal Savior. Dwell in me, use me, and move through me in Jesus' name. Just by this wonderful confession, you automatically have been moved from the old person who was a tool in the hand of the devil. Now you become a new creature. Why? Because you are now in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away and all done and what? All things have become what? New. That is how dramatic it is. And because it is so dramatic and so miraculous and very simple to confess, that's why people do not they do not believe that it can be so authentic. Until you confess this, make this wonderful confession and begin to experience the newness, you will not know it's possible. Do not allow the devil to hold you where he held you last night. This is a new day. The Bible said that new every morning is God's faithfulness. God is more interested in blessing us than in cursing us. He's more interested in making you new than in working with you with your old nature. The Bible said, for the Son of Man is come to seek and save that which he was lost. He did not, he did, he did, he did, Jesus did, did not come for those who are too righteous. He came to seek and save the lost. And for the sake of you, God sent his only begotten son to come down to die, to seek and save the lost. The lost. He didn't come for the righteous. He came for the lost. Now I'm going to read a, a scripture, which is the main text uh, of, uh, of what I want to say. In this main text, you will see how God took a mere woman. He took a woman from nothing or from his of her, her old nature and she gave this woman a, an outstanding transformation. Why? Because this woman allowed the Lord to help to change her old nature. You see, if you do not allow Christ to come in you and you do not allow him to change you, you will continue to burn. You will continue to be wounded. You will continue to dwell in a patched land. You will never be healed. And by the way, this one time we have come into life, make a good use of it. You should not allow anybody to undermine or determine who you become. Circumstances should not determine your joy. And then you live a sorrowful life all the days long. Just because something happened in your life you had no control about. That should not determine all your existence. You have the right to make the right choice. And I'm offering you the right choice this morning because somebody offered the same choice to a woman 2,000 years ago. Until today, we are still reading that same woman because she was transformed. She allowed the Lord to change her own nature. I'm positioned this morning to let you know that you can still be who God wants you to be. Your life can still be amended. Your life can still be renewed. 
You can be who God wants you to be. If only you can allow the world to change you. You can present yourself and say, yes, I'm tired of the old nature. Let me take the new nature. Say, I hear you. Now in the book of John chapter 4, quickly take your Bible and let's read together. John chapter 4 is a long text we're going to read. But when you read it, I will want you to mark the interesting aspects of those uh, verses that will minister to you because some other day, I believe, or later in the day, you're going to use them. Now, the Bible tells us from verse 3, he left Judea, that's Jesus, and departed again into Galilee, and he must need go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary with his journey, sat sat just on the well and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, give me to drink. For his disciples we had gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, accept drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that said to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have giving thee living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou this living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank therefore himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall test again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never test. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into an everlasting life. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I test not, neither come hither to draw. You see, he, she wanted it in an easy way. And that's what many of us do. We go to church. We just want the easy miracle. We don't want a change. We don't want the old nature to go. But we just want the, the preacher man or preacher woman to just perform miracle immediately that will take away our sicknesses and take away our disappointments and take away our, our old relationships and give us new ones. You see, but we don't want a change. Exactly. This woman wanted the water of life to flow into her. She said, give it to me to drink so that I come not here again and I test no more. Jesus said unto her, go call thy husband and come hither. Hmm. Go and call the husband. Jesus pointed to her the very root the very old nature that she has been, you know, she has lived in. The very old nature that have destroyed her, made her unpopular. The very old nature of sin that have been eating her up. It is like most of us who have gone to church yesterday, but after we just shared the benediction, you went back to your fornication. We shared the benediction, ah, you just carry your Bible and, and dusted it again and move back to your 
adulterous life. Move back to your lying spirit. Move back to your 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 your, your jungle. You know where you go, clu clu clu, like a, a, a like a submarine engineer. You go back deep, deep, deep into your lies, into into your jealousy, into your bitterness. You see, it's like the church has no place for you. The word of God has no place for you. You cannot live a life better than what you are living. That's a life from the pit of hell. Something is gonna happen today in your life. I'm challenging you. I dare you to walk out from that old nature and allow the new nature to come in. Oh, because Christ is knocking at the door of your heart right now. So this woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, You have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast it is not thy husband. In that said thou truly. Oh, do you see that? Do you see that this woman, she has been living and pretending to be married when she is not really married, making everybody around her to think that she, the woman, the person he was, you know, squatting with, uh, living together with, was a husband. But somebody came to broach the, the part of lies over her and to reveal nothing but the truth, and that truth was what set this woman free. Then so, 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 so we see here that there are some people who have been living this sort of life this woman had been living, you know. There are some of you, you know, you are not legitimately married, but you've been hanging around with that man to, for, it's almost 30 years now, it's almost 28 years now, making all your children with this man, but they never got married to you. So sometimes you just go to the market and buy some fake rings and put them in your hand. No priest have ever blessed that neither did they pay a cent of your dowry or your bride wealth but you see that that's why there have been so much of abuse and your children cannot know the truth because they met you and this man they are thinking you are legitimately married but you are not little wonder these kids or your daughters they are 30, 37 and nobody's marrying them because they thought you married but you are not married you say you can't let yourself lose and speak nothing but the truth and look for a man of God or one of God to join you together so that you can, you know, break that lineage of the old and give your children a newness so that you can position them directly before the Lord so that new things can begin to happen around them. So this woman lived a counterfeit life. This woman was putting that hypocrisy, making people think that the person that she was living with or squatting with was a, a rightful husband. Meanwhile, she had had five husbands that way. And this one may be the sister one. This one, this one also was not ready to marry her until she met Jesus. When she met Jesus, something happened in her life. And those are the things I want us to speak about this very morning. The moment she met Jesus, something happened in her life. The moment nobody can meet Christ and be the same. Nobody can hear the word of the Lord with the right spirit and then be the same. 
same. Are you hearing me? I am challenging you to be determined this very day to have a newness. It is uh, it is attainable. It is doable. You are capable of doing it because Christ in you, the hope of your glory. Mm. Water is so symbolic in this whole story. You see, water is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, a necessary element required for a what? For 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 our daily function. Water is very, very, very necessary for the functioning of our physical body as well. So it is good for our spiritual body because some some scripture says we are washed by the washing of the word of God. Do you understand? So what the word then the word becomes like water to wash the old away from us. And then so the new the new the new Christ can we can put on new Christ. We can put on Christ. We can put on Christ and be like him. And at the same time, in the physical, the, the water is so necessary because 70% of our body composure is made of water. Do you understand me? Now, for the past four days, the weather has been so terrible. I was so shocked when my spiritual son went out to go and buy water yesterday and then he called me back. He said, Mom, you know what? I said, No. You see those little water that we use to, they don't want to pack six in a distance, which is very convenient for people to drink. When people visit you, you can easily put a one, one, one. So he said it is totally sold out from the supermarket. I she she visited three supermarkets yesterday, and they were totally sold out. So what was remaining was only those big, big ones. He said what? So that is to let you know that the sun that was so heavy for the past three days really dried up people. That people were drinking. My my own husband, I was seeing every second, just you know packing the water as if the, the whole water in his body was was off, was gone, because the sweat was coming too much. Any little thing you do, sweat was coming and coming. And we 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 are in the summer now, but this summer is so intense. So so we are wondering, if not by the grace of God, you know who is keeping us? Some people are falling, some people are fainting because the heat is too much over here. So if there is no water, where would we have been? If there is no water to quench our thirst, where would we have been? Do you understand? So water is so necessary. And that's what that woman was lacking. That woman was lacking water. That woman was lacking something that was so necessary. Physical water and spiritual water was empty in her life. That which can wash her, make her clean, she never had it. That which can satisfy her test, she never had it. So she was lacking something which was too necessary for her existence, spiritually and physically. Do you understand? But she was in a place she was in a place which Jesus didn't really want to go. She, Jesus was not ready to go to Samaria. She was just on her way going to another place and she decided to call her now to Samaria. Because Samaria was like a dry place. It was like a dry land. It was like a, you know, a place that had no water. They had water scarcity. That which is general need of the people was not found there. So somehow along the line, Jesus moved with his disciples and they came to the very well which their forefathers have opened, the, the well of Jacob. And uh, he sat by that well. 
when Jesus sat by that well, you know, at a very point when Jesus sat at that very, very well, you see, that wasn't the right time for women who are normal to come to fetch water. Because in those olden days, they normally have people come to fetch water at, at specific times. So those who are married, they knew the time they normally go to fetch water. And those ones who are well, who are what? Who are, who are, who are not um, all, all decent. They also have the particular time they normally come to fetch water. And at the same time, the Jews and the Samaritans, they had this concept of calling the, the, the other ones dogs and the other ones called the other ones hidden. You are unworthy. To be hidden means you are unholy. To be hidden means there is, you are unworthy. I don't want to have any communication with you. So the Jews, they see the Samaritans as dogs and the and Samaritans as well see them as people who are not fit. So they have always been this this conflict between the Jews and the Samaritans. But I want to thank Jesus that he came to break the status quo. He came to not to cause any discrimination. He came to break the barrier. He came to break the difference. That which has made us, you know, to view others as inferior. Jesus came to break it. That's why a whore, a repentant whore, can sit with, with a, a medical doctor in the same church and they shake hands as brothers and sisters. You understand? The barrier is, is totally broken. We don't see people based on their race. We don't see people based on their status quo. That's what Jesus came to break. By going to Samaria and sitting by that wellside and ready to minister to a woman who was a whore that Jesus broke the, the, the barrier. Jesus broke that status quo. Jesus made it possible that everyone can come to him. As many who can believe in him as the son of the living God, them he has given power to become the children of God. So you can believe wherever you are right now. You can accept him as your Lord and personal savior. Are you hearing me, somebody? So this whole thing... Put in such a manner that Jesus would be able to meet that woman in her name. So now this woman had come to that well. This woman, she is so unpopular. She could not have gone to that well earlier than that time because she has stayed with so many men who were not hers. And the other women, she has become unpopular in the sight of other women. She has become a snatcher. She has become, you know, a husband snatcher, a boyfriend snatcher. She has become somebody that nobody can trust. So she only goes at a time when other women who will gossip about her, who will make her uh, mad, will not see her. Do you understand? So when she went to this well, and then here was a young man, very handsome Jesus, seated. And now Jesus watched what she was doing, and Jesus said, oh, give me to drink. So when Jesus spoke to her, she was thinking, mm, this another, another client has come. You see, maybe it's time to do away with the old and the one I'm looking, I'm living with. 
it and then move along with this one. But she found out that this one was just not like the ordinary the ordinary man who chases her because this one was very a long garment and at the same time this one was her son and he noticed that he was a Jewish man and then he began to, 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 to tell Jesus a very long story when Jesus asked her, give me to drink. That is, you look at Jesus and say, who are you really? Do you, do you look at me, that me who you always call dog, would not give you water to drink? And then, then Jesus said, well it doesn't matter the argument between the old and the whatever. It doesn't matter. You see, it doesn't matter the argument which you are presenting here. All I want is one thing. Give me to drink. Somebody listening to me. You see, you may have gone to church yesterday. No matter what was preached, it doesn't enter you. No matter what the preacher woman have said, it does not, you don't even allow them to touch that area of your life. Whenever you go to Bible, to Sunday school, you ask some irrelevant questions. Oh, why is the sun so hot? Why, 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 why is there war if Christ is real? Why is there war? One thing. Go and call your husband. Because this water which you are requesting from me, you cannot drink it with your old nature. Go and call your husband. Means what Jesus was trying to let her know was that you are not married. You've been living in sin. Ah. Somebody does the same thing the Lord is saying to you. All the nature cannot go when all, all, all nature can only go when the truth has been presented to you. When you are now ready to stand and, and hear the truth eyeball to eyeball. You are able to look at the truth and then you accept truth and then you say indeed this is who I am. Indeed you've hit me below the belt. I am ready for a change. When you are able to absorb the truthfulness of what the word of God carries, then your new nature will come. And when that new nature comes, it will knock off the old nature. Because the old nature is so small, compared to the new nature that is hanging out and wants to come in. The new nature will empower you, the new nature will help you, will sustain you, and it will make you to recover quickly from where you are falling. Do you understand me, somebody? That's, that, that's why it's very, very urgent and very necessary for you to pick up the new nature. I dare you to pick up that new nature today. I repeat again. Jesus said he came not to what? Not, not just for those who are righteous, but he came to seek and save the lost. When you are lost with pain and bitterness, with offense, Jesus have released his word this morning to save, to save you, to deliver you from that package which have been harassing you. In a not share and to end up because of time. The Bible said this woman, she looked at Jesus. She told Jesus, I have no husband. Jesus said, you've rightly said because even the 51 you are saying wait, it's not your man. Go and get me your man. This woman said, I have no one. I have no one. The next day, truth to hit her below the belt that she ran out from the presence of Jesus, went into the city and got the whole village. He said, come and see a man who have told me the new nature, who have told me all I've been wanting. All of you have been looking at me in this village and you have been harassing me. None of you have been bold to come to say, is this man really your husband? Only that you've been whispering and murmuring and gossiping. But come and see a man 
that told me everything that I've ever been. Come, 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 come. Come, 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 come. I say, come, come, come. You see, when you made the truth, the truth will set you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This morning, I present nothing but the truth to you. Oh, change from the old nature and come into the newness. Change from the old nature. Drop the old nature and come into the newness. In that newness is everlasting life. In that newness is Christ waiting to reveal himself to you. Oh, 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 you can do it. If the Samaritan woman can do it, my sister, my brother, you can do it as well. She went and called the people in the village. She called the very men who have abused her. She called all of them who have rendered her whole. She called them and they came and they could see that she now has a new nature. Beloved, that became the end of the story of that woman. And today we are still reading her. I tell you, when you've received a new nature, we will read you all through life. It cannot be compared to the old. It can never be compared to the old. I want you to close your eyes at this moment and say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. It has reached me. Please save me from my destruction. Come into my life today and be my Lord and personal Savior. I receive you as my Lord and my personal Savior. Thank you for saving me in the mighty name of Jesus. parties, baby ceremonies, graduation, anniversaries, engagements, all your events can be promoted right here on Voice of Ninja. Yes, you heard me right. Don't know about you because you're not promoting your business. We can bring you the awareness that you need for all those revivals, seminars, special events, conferences, church services, your Sunday services, your social events, weddings, birthday parties, baby ceremonies, graduation, anniversaries, engagements. Call us today right now at 06-846-0655. That's 06-846-0655. Voice of Ninja, your place to advertise. God, God most high, high, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, respect all believers.
Well, good morning. In case you just join us, this is Radio Voice of Niger. Well, we'll be taking you to Austria for a discussion with uh, a very uh, special person. <coughs> We're going to be talking to one of the officials of the International Center for Migration and Policy Development in Vienna. But before that, enjoy this music. Was vanity upon vanity
ladies and gentlemen, to our social action program this morning. My name is Apostle Larry Delkino. Uh, we have a guest all the way from... Uh, I, Martin, uh, good morning and welcome once again. Good morning. Yes. Nice to be in your program. Yes, sir. Uh, are you calling from uh, Brussels or from Vienna? Now I'm calling from Brussels. Oh, okay. Excellent. Wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, um, this morning, our guest, Mr. Martin Plum, is director of uh, Eastern, Eastern Dimension of the International Center for Migration and uh, Policy Development based in Vienna, uh, in Austria. Uh, as you know, migration is a global phenomenon which is affecting many nations due to the due to a variety of causes, both natural and man-made. Uh, nation states are compelled to respond to this humanitarian crisis, and uh, in their own best self-interest, but also under international agreements. Uh, it can be quite a complex situation, to say the least. In this interview, we'll be engaging Mr. Plan uh, in a vibrant discussion to learn up more about this organization, his organization, and how it works currently. How its work currently underpins the policies uh, affecting how migrants are treated across the world. Feel free, ladies and gentlemen, to join us uh, with your remarks and questions on this uh, in this broadcast. And as usual, the studio number is 020-737-1619. If you have any remark or question, if you're calling from outside the Netherlands, of course, then you have to add a, a plus 30031-2737-1619. Uh, with me uh, in the studio this morning is uh, Reverend Helen Rudolph, you know, and uh, I want to say hi to Mr. Hello, Martin. Mr. Martin, how are you? Hello, I'm doing fine. All right. Okay, you can kick off with the first question. Well, uh, thank you for joining us uh, from Belgium. Uh, my first question to you is um, how and when did the International Center for Migration Policy Development begin? And who was the brain behind it? Well, thank you. Thank you very much, first of all, for inviting me to your program. I think uh, migration as a topic is very important, and, and that was also the case 25 years ago um, when the organization uh, that I worked for was established. So the International Center for Migration Policy Development was established at a time of um, well, great changes in Europe. You had, of course, the, the fall of the Iron Curtain, and you had the, the wars in former Yugoslavia. And, and both events um, led to quite some uh, movement of people, both forced by the refugees from, from the former Yugoslavia, and of course also people um, with uh, living in, in, the, in the previous Soviet Union. So what um, my boss, at the, 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 the creator of the organization, Mr. Jonas Wiedkeln, um, created the organization together with Switzerland, Austria, and Sweden to set up an organization which uh, would help countries to better understand these flows, also to, for, to improve cooperation between the countries in Western Europe with the countries in Central and Eastern Europe. So that was basically the origin. Um, now we are um, more than 25 years further, and the organization has evolved to working globally, but using the same principles. So what we would like to do is working with countries 
so that their officials better understand um, the reasons for migration, how you can cooperate better on migration. We also work together with European, African, Asian states um, uh, to better understand each other, to get uh, their priorities aligned, to see how can, via dialogue, uh, they can come to better uh, migration policies. And thirdly, we work with institutions in those countries to enable them um, to better manage migration. And this can be everything in the area for, in the area of protection, prevention of exploitation, but also in the area of voluntary return, uh, border management, and other areas. So that's basically the, the setup of migration. Uh, we came at a situation that they a form of crisis, and slowly we developed into an organization which now works globally on this. Yeah, quite, quite, quite interesting. Yes. As we proceed, we would like to, as much as possible, make this uh, topic uh, easily digestible uh, yes. uh, to the average listener. So, uh, yeah, sometimes we may want to ask some really down-to-earth questions uh, as we go. Please do. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, that's quite interesting. The, 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 you know... Uh, yeah, the, 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 of course, the issue of migration is, is a very hard one. Uh, yeah, for this initiative, you have, uh, you know, found place or taking place uh, 25 years is quite remarkable. I was just wondering, uh, your work, your, what you do kind of borders a bit on what IOM, IOM does, but is that different between your organization and the IOM? Yes, we have, we have quite different organizations. Um, First of all, from the setup, we are uh, a smaller organization. Uh, we have uh, now, we, we focus our work on, let's say, migration um, in partnership with the countries to and from Europe, so with European countries, but also linkages between European countries and, and countries of, of major destination, uh, origin for, for, for Europe. Um, but we are also, and that is, I think, the biggest difference um, we are not a humanitarian organization. So while we, let's say, work with, co with, with governments to help them work with migrants, we work with civil society organizations, um, we do not provide ourselves a lot of direct services. We are much more in, uh, convinced that it's important to work with institutions, and this can be governmental or can be non-governmental uh, organizations, in the countries uh, to enable them to better work on, on migration management. So it's, it's, we are, that's why we also will not never grow to an organization of, of 10, 12,000 people. Mm. Um, we have now 350, maybe 400 people, but we were much more, let's say, the enablers of, of, of discussion, of cooperation, and of uh, improvement of, of uh, capacities. Yeah, I was just wondering, how did it come about that, you know, an independent organization like yours could, like, reach out, work with other countries as it were, because you develop migration policies and stuff like that. So, I mean, how did you gain that kind of credibility exactly. uh, with the uh, nation states, uh, as it were, if I'm correct, you know, from my understanding? Yeah, so what, what we do is, um, let's say from the, the, the beginning of what we have been doing, the main thing was to, to, to ensure that everyone who works in the organization is, is very knowledgeable about the topic that can be the, as generalist, but also on individual topics. Yeah. Uh, you know, I do know a lot about asylum or about integration or diaspora relations. 
So we're an expertise-based organization. Yeah. But I think most importantly is we have been facilitating migration dialogues between um, African and European countries and Asian and European countries uh, now for, for uh, 25, 27 years. And meaning that we have been acting as a secretariat, bringing those countries together. We don't set the agenda. We do not steer everything in a certain direction. What we have been trying to do and what we are continuing to do is, is ensuring that there is a platform, um, an informal platform where states can discuss. And as such, you, of course, you work a lot with government officials. You build up a certain reputation. Yeah. Uh, and we are not saying you have to go left or right. You see, we don't, uh, you have to uh, do this or do that. We try to work with the government officials, with, with civil society, and, see, and with the private sector uh, since a few years in and seeing how can we adjust to the, to the situation with the, card, with, with the particular group of migrants or with the particular um, uh, country that we're working with. Yeah, you had a question. You were going to say something. Yes, yeah, so I, w- I would like to know, um, currently you say you have about uh, 17 uh, uh, member states. Yes. Now, uh, that are admitted into uh, the International Center of Migration and the Policy Development. But why is it that uh, countries like Netherlands, UK and France are not part of it? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the origin of the... How, uh, did you of, choose, how did you choose those other countries that are members? Yeah, yeah it's actually, it is, it is the member states themselves uh, who, so the, 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 the countries with whom we work who have said, okay, what we the countries which we want to become members are um, basically mainly European countries uh, that might change in the future, but at the moment uh, that was the, one of the, 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 the settings that they have created for the organization to say, okay, as member states steering this organization, um, we have started with, with Austria and Switzerland and then uh, Sweden, that is at the time they were all non-EU member states. Um, and then the group grew um, during the en- enlargement process of the European Union. We were at that time very much focused on uh, migration within and um, uh, through Europe. Um, so that also when you look at our member state base, you see that we have a, quite a large number of Southeast European member states. Recently, um, Turkey has joined, Malta has joined, but I'm also happy to say that, for example, the Netherlands uh, and Germany are also about to join the organization. Mm. Um, it's, it's a question of interest of those countries themselves. Yeah. Do they think they have an added value of working with ICPD, being a member of ICPD? And then it's the process of the member states, the existing member states, to, to, uh, to accept them. But it's mainly... It's, it's, it's a self-selection process. So it, the Netherlands saw that they um, uh, had added value of becoming a member of ICMPD together with the membership of IOM and other organizations. They saw that as an added value. So now we have started the process for them to join the organization. Okay, but this very point, I really want to say, I want to like, okay, what is the added value for the Netherlands? Is it that countries that are maybe, shall I use the word, threatened or concerned about migration? Uh, see the need to join the organization in order to either benefit from your expertise or what, I mean, what is it that is the average value that is making, for example, the Netherlands to join now instead of from the beginning? Exactly. I'm just curious about that uh, aspect. Yeah, it's always a combination of multiple factors. Why they join, 
uh, is, 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 as you say, it's access uh, and, and cooperation because of the, the, the insights and the knowledge that we have on migration. It's uh, the network uh, that we can offer uh, for facilitating cooperation between Dutch authorities and uh, authorities of uh, African and Asian countries. Um, so there is a combination of services, of studies, of policy recommendations that we offer uh, also only to our member states themselves. Um, so it's, it's that what I see now as an added value. In the past, they also saw that value, but they said, okay, we, we do not need to become a member. Uh, we, we, we have our own institutions. And, and in the last two years, they have realized uh, three years, okay, actually there is an added value because of course, as a member state, you can also steer the direction of the organization. You can say, well, we would like you to focus more on these countries, on these topics, uh, do more research on this topic. So, and they have seen that that, that this would be for them of added value. Yeah, I, I would want to submit here that your organization appears to be a very pivotal one, but if, if nation states can decide to hook up with, with, your, with your organization to make use of your expertise, I think that makes you very important. And that's, a, I would say, that's a big, big compliment to you guys. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, we are happy that we have been growing, uh, of course, recently quite a lot uh, due to the, the interest in migration has, has increased yeah. uh, for good reasons, sometimes also for bad reasons, to be honest. But um, at least the topic itself um, is, is very interesting because I think you cannot go on the street and talk to any person and, and ask their opinion about migration and everyone is is thinking about it either they are migrants themselves they know migrants they don't like migrants they love migrants there is always a, a feeling everyone has an emotion and and i think that makes it a very interesting topic and yeah. of course also very politically sensitive so, so so do you in this case say to these nation states who are members as consultants you know to advise on uh, how they frame their migration policies or what what is the rule exactly that you you fulfill because I know you spoke about migration dialogues mm -hmm. so uh, mm -hmm. in what capacity do you go into partnership with these countries exactly um, look, we, we have uh, let's say the, the three uh, types of work that we are doing um, basically go from uh, doing research so, and, and developing uh, new migration policies so that's basically building up the knowledge base uh, and, and improving uh, the facts on which basis uh, policies are being made. Yeah. Um, then we um, uh, facilitate dialogue. So we have been, so there's a number of migration dialogues ongoing, international dialogue processes mm. where uh, European countries and African countries, for example, work uh, West African countries in the Rabat process, where West African countries, European countries regularly meet to discuss uh, migration, but such processes also exist in the East, with East Africa, so with, uh, with the Horn of Africa, with, with, and with the whole of Af uh, East Africa, with Europe, with the Khartoum process. And towards the East, you have also two processes, one working between Europe and uh, the four more um, Eastern Bloc countries, as well as the um, uh, dialogue between Europe and Silk Road countries, meaning Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iraq, Iran, um, Bangladesh. We have been asked, um, based on our experience to facilitate those dialogues. So that's how we then interact. We, we, we bring people together, we work with the chairs of this process on setting agendas. And uh, okay, now we would like to discuss the prevention of migrants, 
we will discuss the situation of unaccompanied minors. We would like to discuss uh, improved cooperation in the area of return and, and, and reintegration. Um, and, and on that basis, we facilitate these discussions. And, and certainly we, we train people. We, we work with institutions. We work with the, with the Turkey, the Turkish uh, new migration management organization. We work very closely in Nigeria, many other countries, where we work with those institutions to improve their capacities. So it's like that that we um, we don't, as I said before, we do not say this is the right policy to do. We work with them to help them identify what would be the best policy to do to reach your their objectives that they have set. Well, interesting. Yeah. At this juncture, uh, I would like our listeners to know that we don't have too much time for the discussion. So if you're following the program, this is Voice of Niger. We're talking today about the real impact of uh, current uh, migration uh, policies uh, uh, of Europe. Uh, and uh, we have an expert in the studio from uh, International Center for Migration and Development and Policy Development, uh, which is based in Vienna. So if you have a question or remark, you're welcome to interrupt our discussion at any time with your phone call, and uh, we'll be glad to take your call. So feel free to do that before uh, we run out of uh, time. Um, as usual, the number is 020-737-1619. Excellent. Uh, I would like to ask. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just, um, uh, have there been some occasions uh, that uh, you, your company, organization, uh, organization uh, found themselves maybe discouraging a... Uh, uh, discouraging uh, uh, potential migrants not to migrate? I think it's, uh, no, we, we're not uh, at all in, in, let's say, in the business of discouraging uh, migration. What I think is important is that migration should take place let's say for the right reasons. Uh, people have to have a, uh, and of course this is, this is the ideal situation and I know we are very far away from that. You want to there should not be forced migration. There should not be a necessity for migration for pure survival. Um, you, the, 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 the migration has always been part of of, of humankind. Yeah. Humankind, the, the whole the, the, why, the way why people are spread throughout the whole globe is because of migration. Mm -hmm. And of course, of course, for different reasons, by famine, by war but also because people are just very curious and yes. they want to develop themselves. Yeah, do business and somewhere else, stuff like that. <laughs> exactly. So it, it is, it is, so it should be a voluntary choice yeah. and it should be, um, we always say migration, it, it's about people and that's a very simple statement, but yeah. at the same time, if you go deeper into it and you think, okay, it's about the choices that people make, it's also about the choices that the people where who have to, where people where migrants will arrive. Mm -hmm. uh, it's also about the choices of the family of the migrants. Uh, so there's a whole complex way of thinking, and that's also when we talk about uh, the root cause of migration. This magic word, which is always used, um, it, it's a very complex issue because we say, yeah, you know, of course they move. Uh, people move because they have uh, high and they find no jobs, or they move because they're poor. Um, Hold on one second, let me see, somebody turn the call. Yeah, hello. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, good morning. My name is Bobo. Oh, Mr. P, how are you? Fine, I want to ask a question. Okay, go ahead. Martin, yeah. is a question for you? Go okay. ahead, sir. Okay, uh, first of all, 
I want to thank the guy that is doing a very good job. He's given a good information. Amen. But my question is, if I listen to him, does it mean every country have its own immigration policies? If it's so, why don't we make one policy for the whole world? Like in that nation, does it? Okay. Bye-bye. Good question. Thank you. Yes. Did you get a question, okay. sir? Well, there was a recent um, initiative. It's a very interesting question because, of course, uh, we had yeah, last year we had uh, um, big discussions on UN level on the so-called global compact on migration, which it would not develop one type of migration policy, but it would at least set um, it has set certain principles and certain concrete actions on which uh, which countries could take to to uh, facilitate migration improve migration management um this was a very it's it's, it's a non-binding document mm. um it's a document which contains really a lot and lot of interesting initiatives yeah. um but even though it was not non it was non-binding uh this this document has led to a lot and lot of discussion because it's just as there are almost 200 countries in the world there is also 200 opinions uh on how to best manage yeah. migration and yeah, 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 yeah. um so there is there's countries from one extreme to the other extreme yeah. uh, uh you know from complete freedom of movement and open borders to, to a very isolationist yes. uh behavior like <laughs> those two extremes will never work it's always a question of finding a balance yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, we also have to recognize <clears throat> the, the history of individual countries um how lines were drawn uh, how borders were developed. They are different uh, developed in, in, in Europe than they have been developed in, in Africa. Um, the reasons, uh, the, the traditions of people. So you, it's very difficult to say there's one suitable migration policy. You yeah, need yeah. to adjust to the situation on the ground. You cannot say, okay, this is a bo- hard border as a lie in the sand, which was drawn yeah. uh, 50 years ago after decolonization uh, that would affect you know, many people who live on both sides of the borders. You have to have a different situation you have there than you have in, in other areas. So it, it's impossible to come with one great migration policy. What you need to have is work developing a migration policy on the basis of, of common principles, of respect for human rights yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, creating opportunities. So there is, there is um, these kind of principle that we have to agree upon. Okay, so you are saying that based on some of the ideas you had, uh, you, you put before the United Nations, for example, so they can, from that, draw uh, their own uh, migration policies, for example. That's what you're saying. Yeah, it's not us. It, it, we were, of course, part of a large uh, group, group of, of organizations yeah. and the next, uh, who contributed to it. Uh, to, to the development of these principles, but actually the negotiations took place between states uh, and state officials. So, okay, cool. Um, yeah. Cool. Let, let me come in quickly here. Now, I want us to concretely, because all that you're saying is on a very high level, I mean, it's yeah. at a very high level, but concretely, what, what is the impact of your work on, let's say, the ordinary person on the street who is a migrant or will be a migrant, you know, one way or the other, uh, concretely, uh, what is the impact of you know your work on the average person? Can you tell them in very, very simple terms? 
<laughs> yes. What you know, as I said, what we do is to ensure that, especially government institutions, have the knowledge and capacities to better uh, implement migration policies. So this can go. Uh, to policies preventing uh, people falling victim for trafficking human beings, yeah. people who fall victim to exploitation, whether it is in in, in, in work surroundings or in sexual exploitation. Yeah. So we work with institutions and with government institutions to prevent that. Okay. But it also goes on the other side, we work with, with border guards mm-hmm. uh, and see, okay, how do they um, work with, with migrants? Uh, how do they approach migrants? What principles do they use? How can we ensure that that, that bona fide migrants can cross quicker, yeah. uh, etc. So it's, it's and, and how can we ensure that the, the, the human rights are protected? So these kind of impacts we've had mm-hmm. in different countries all over the world uh, by working with their institutions. I see. So without your organization, you think that those nations uh, might you know perpetrate some kind of injustice or unfairness to migrants, right? Or will be migrants? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not saying that they would necessarily do that. I, what I'm saying is that they are better able to make the right choices. Uh, in some yeah. cases, okay. you see that, that countries are not well prepared yeah. uh, or that uh, they need to try to make sure that they learn from each other, that yeah, they don't yeah. reinvent the wheel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, so at what point then do you consider migration false? Uh, migra- <laughs> I don't think migration... Uh, Because I heard you, I heard you mention about uh, reasons for migration, so migrant because yeah. economic reasons, and also forced migration. So, for the sake of our audience who are listening, I want to forced or false? Forced migration, forced. Forced or false? I, 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 I mean, it's pressure. I mean, it's pressurized migration. So yeah. give 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 just uh, some instances on when it can become a for forced migration or yeah. uh, uh, well there is, there is there is of course the direct forced uh, migration comes from uh, from 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 wars yeah. from from uh, civil unrest yes, yes, but it can also be slower let's say the changes uh, environmental changes in the Sahel yes, yes, uh, yes. or changes uh, elsewhere in, in the nature which which uh, take away the livelihood of farmers most of the people would then move from cities but if they cannot find places to survive in the cities they might move on to another country so and most, I mean most of the forced migration anyhow it takes place within the in the region so it always takes place next to the country which has the unrest and there is a small percentage which then uh, travels uh, thousands of kilometers but the most people travel maybe 100 or 200 or 300 kilometers so it's it's a uh, people stay closer so so you can i think you guys are positioned or shall i say prepared because looking ahead the whole world is set for a lot of movement of people from place to place because a lot of the climate change is on, a lot of things are happening. So clearly, I mean, migration is set to rise, isn't it? Um, yes, and, and but for, for a whole different types of reasons. Yes. Uh, it's actually one of the most interesting aspects of, of migration. Uh, when we talk, for example, about uh, African migration, um, people very much focus on, on demography and, oh, there's so many people being born. And I always tell them, look, um, the migrants of the coming 15 years, mm-hmm. coming, uh, moving within Africa and from Africa, for example, to Europe, 
they have already been born. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, 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 you migrate uh, after you're 15, uh, if, unless you travel with your, 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 your parents. Yeah. Um, but in order to move, in order to migrate, it's not the poorest people. You need you need a certain amount of resources. Yes, absolutely. So, um, and the interesting development, for example, with Africa is if, if the economic development of, of Africa is slower, yeah. it normally means that uh, families will have more children. Yeah. Uh, so the population of Africa would grow, but the number of migrants would be lower mm-hmm. uh, because there's not enough resources. But if yeah. African states, and many of them are successfully developing uh, and then moving forward very rapidly, uh, develop economically very strong, the, the number of kids uh, per family will go down, yes. but the number of migrants might actually increase because more people have access to resources yeah. and, and have more ambitions, education will improve, oh. um, their opportunities both within the African continent and, and abroad um, are, are bigger, so it, 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 migration is not always uh, very simple. You have to, even with such an example that I gave now, yeah. you know, the, it, it's it's very logical. But people sometimes forget it. They say, "Oh, if everyone is, if we address poverty and make sure that everyone has a, a good education, uh, then there will be less migrants." And, and that's just not true. Uh, it's better for the people if they have if there's less poverty and if they're better educated. That does not mean necessary that there will be less migrants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also not a good bad thing. I mean, we see that European countries, uh, you see that uh, the Asian countries have a demographic de- deficit. We need to have certain skills which are lacking. Yeah. Uh, and there is a lot of opportunities also for legal migration, whether they're permanently or, or temporarily. Or temporary. mm-hmm. So, and, and yeah. Interesting. You, um, you guys have a nice model with which you are working to pr- be able to project and to predict, you know, what kind of migration is going to happen, you know, in the coming years. And that is, that is quite powerful. Uh, now, you spoke along the line about migration dialogues, which is one of the uh, one of the things, the building blocks in your approach, your methodology, right? Uh, yes. Okay, maybe if you can just throw some more light on that three prong approach uh, to your work, to doing your work. Yes, well, it, with regard to, I, I'm a very strong believer in in bringing countries together, officials from countries together in a in a more informal setting. Yeah. Uh, um, so that they can understand each other's uh, motives and and objectives. Yeah. And and since the beginning of the organization, that was one of our objectives too. To be a very neutral facilitator, to not say, to not take, okay, the European or the Asian or the African position, but just to say, okay, mm-hmm. I make sure that I bring uh, 15 European and 15 African countries together yeah. uh, to discuss topic X, Y, Z, which is decided by, by them, what they find interesting. Yeah. And then help them understand, like, okay, why is it so important for uh, a, co- a European country to send back? Uh, 300 uh, rejected uh, asylum seekers. Well, how can it be when, when other people say, like, what do you talk about? You talk about such small numbers. Uh, those people did all the effort to get there. Yeah. But it's politically important. But also to understand what are the interests of a country like Ethiopia, a country like Nigeria. Yeah. Um, how can we talk about something more than just very often the discussion goes down to do you accept your country, do your people when I send them back? Mm. And how can we have this 
this, this dialogue on a more mature level. How can we look at investment? How can we look at um, cooperation? Uh, how can we ensure the protection of the rights of the migrants, not only when they are uh, in their countries of origin, but also in countries of destination? So how do we balance these interests? And I think that is what we are trying to do um, since, since, since the beginning of the organization. That's what our member states, and that was also what, what the European Union, as one of our main donors, wants us to do mm. uh, to facilitate this dialogue. Okay, now I want you to tell me, uh, if you compare um, the situation before, let's say, uh, I say Switzerland is one of your members. Switzerland and Austria, they are one. Yeah. But, okay, the situation before your organization came in with these policies, uh, what's the difference between the way they were handling issues that before uh, your organization's input and now that they are part of your organization. Can you just give in very clear terms the difference between the two situations? Is that possible? I can't, <laughs> yeah, I can't give a very short answer to that because, but again, I can tell you that <clears throat> both, uh, especially in the cooperation with, <clears throat> sorry, with, um, with our partner countries, we have facilitated much closer cooperation. We, I can give you an example because, for example, the cooperation between Austria and Nigeria uh, is a very concrete example where uh, until a few years ago, um, there was not the, very, the, the relations between Austria and, and, and Nigeria were a bit sour, uh, especially with regard to migration related matters. Um, and then we developed an initiative uh, where we said, okay, yes, we can talk about return, but you have to do it in a bit of a different way. So we brought together uh, Austrian companies. We spoke with uh, Nigerian uh, authorities. Uh, we spoke with Austrian authorities. Said, can we not make sure that uh, returnees who have to lie, who, who, who failed in their asylum process in, in, uh, in, in Austria, who have to go back, um, who went into the asylum system, were determined not to be refugees, uh, how can we link them to Austrian companies who would like to invest in Nigeria and who would actually like to profit from people who have maybe learned some, some German, who understand Austria, we, we develop some, we train them, we give them some, some skills and then they can work in those companies. So it led to new investments um, and it led to some people going back to Nigeria and, and getting a job. <clears throat> but at most of all, it led to a different relationship because Nigeria said, okay, Austria is really interested not only in, in to, to put it very bluntly, sending people back, but they're also interested in making sure that the, that, that the communities uh, in those countries in, in Nigeria can can also develop and profit from this investment. And that's also why we came now to the College of Practical Skills. Uh, one of the other initiatives that we are developing with Nigerian authorities and Austrian companies. It's a, it's a pilot now with Austria. It's of course also open. We are discussing with with Portugal yeah. to do it in Mozambique. We're discussing with with other countries. How can you combine um, public-private partnerships in developing investments uh, and giving opportunities for people uh, in, in, the, in the municipalities where the investment will take place, mm. um, but also create new opportunities by developing training, um, by uh, developing skills, very practical skills, skills that are needed both uh, in this case in Nigeria, but also maybe in the Netherlands or in Austria. Um, and, and that you can say, okay, we can set up um, a circular migration program so people can temporarily six, seven, eight months yeah. work in a European country and then uh, go back home, work, yeah. co continue developing there with the skills they built up. Right. 
But trust me, it's quite a complicated uh, and interrelated uh, set of issues mm-hmm. uh, that are going on right now. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to the program and you have a comment or a remark, a uh, question for Mr. Plan, please give us a call on the studio line 020-737-1619. You can always interrupt uh, our discussion. Um, yes, you spoke. You spoke about salon, like people which feel as salon uh, procedures and stuff like that, and how to help them. But you said also earlier on that that people who migrate have their power, ability to migrate are usually better off. They have the resources. Eh? Now yes. you know that this is a lot of people move from like Asia to America to Europe to work or to study and stuff like that. So, so really. Like you said from the beginning, migration is something that will be ongoing no matter what. And for different yeah. kinds of reasons. No, it may not necessarily be because of it. As, I mean, people who are seeking asylum, some just for, for better education, some for work, and some because they are transferred by their company. All kinds of issues are happening. Uh, and I think, of course, it has been uh, exacerbated by a crisis around the world. So I think you guys have got a huge amount of work cut out for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 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 Uh, fear of the other. It can take place mm-hmm. of on a local level. Yeah. You, can, you, you know that in every individual country, mm-hmm. you know it's uh, people from Rotterdam are like that, or people from Maastricht are like that. It's everyone. If you think rationally, you know it's 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 uh, not true, but <laughs> that's how people function. And unfortunately, in the area of migration, where we have now seen that there has been a combination of creating fear because of mixing refugees, migration, terrorism, Islam, and put it all in one top mm. pot. Um, some politicians have been playing a lot with the migration card and, and mingling up yeah. problems which are not related. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's, it's a task of, um, of government officials, uh, but also of, of organizations like mine, to make sure that you, you, the right problems are being addressed. Yeah, but you're, you're not a politician. So when the politicians are campaigning against, against uh, immigration and against, you know, people coming in and stuff like that, I mean, and people go to cast their votes, you know, they cast their votes for, you know, populist and anti-immigration parties, for example, depending upon the sentiment that is, you know, really high on the agenda. So but you guys who are non-governmental, I mean, you really can't do nothing at, at that time. You see? Well, <laughs> we, we, we are we are, not, we are we are okay. We are intergovernment, so we have the, the states are members of our organization. Yeah. We are, of course, uh, telling them what to do. But what we at least make try to make sure is that that, that all the officials working in, in the various ministries um, or in, in agencies like the border guards or the asylum agencies have the right tools and the right information to take the right policy decisions. So there is always going to be. A percentage of people who uh, who gives in to, to to the unknown and the fear for the unknown. Yeah. Um, because that's that's what it mainly is. Um, but that's like 20 percent. 80 percent of the people uh, are are more open. And of course, we should not hide that there are problems. There is a, there is there are problems with uh, individual 
uh, a group of migrants for their specific reasons. Yeah. But like there are also <laughs> problems with, with new migrants. So there is the, you have to just, but you have to re- make the right choices. You cannot treat the second gen or third generation uh, integration issues that that that, pay, that come from the guest worker programs from the 70s yeah. with uh, um, the problems that, that that refugees who came from Syria have now and, and throw it all in one whole, uh, pile and, and take measures which touch all of them. Exactly. That, that doesn't make sense. Doesn't you, make have sense. To, you have to target your measures and it's our role as an organization to make sure that this diverse approach is there and that uh, the, the government officials have the information and the tools to do this. At this juncture, I would like to take a short break and uh, let's have this musical break, okay? <laughs> Can we do that again? Oh, to a cachine, can you say? Look at them now, as now they sustain and they go. Extra zeros, they enter your account. Yeah. They am. So we're gonna do it one more time. Take enough breath and push it. Oh, to a cajine canyon, you say? Yeah. Okay, let's do some dancing. Let's go. Are you ready? Well, you're listening to uh, Radio Voice of Niger. Our topic, uh, which is currently uh, on hold, uh, is the real impact of current European migration policies. Well, in a short musical break, we'll return soon to finish the program.
I hope you're done, you know. This uh, a hot one. Okay, in this season when there is coronavirus, I need you to put your hands to your neighbor's shoulder and help me tell that neighbor and tell the heavens. In this season, I want you to carry me, oh God. Carry me, carry me in your wings. Are you ready? Now, run around with me, run around. Carry me, Diego. Jehovah, carry me. Return to finish the program. Now there is this cultural question. So the, the pressure is sometimes so big on individual migrants, yeah. uh, wannabe migrants, to move that that they are not open for rationally. Exactly. But it could be there. I think it's an obligation, and I think there uh, the, the caller had a good point that at least the information is accessible. That you know you can say, well, if you really want to prepare, there is easy access to that information. You have been warned. Yeah. You can be informed. Yeah. Okay, you, you, people will still maybe take the, the, the decision to take, to risk their lives. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's it's like, even when there was at the height of the, 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 the crossings via the Mediterranean, um, when hundreds of thousands of people left, and you say, yeah, there was, of course, many people died. But then you say, well, you know, on the absolute number of people who crossed and the people who died, it's 1%, 2%, 3%. It was still hundreds of people and every yeah. person is too much. But uh, let, 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 me, let me interrupt here. We really have run out of time almost. You know, there's a lot to talk about regarding the migration dialogues you're talking about. I mean, if that dialogue was working well, eh, mm -hmm. some of these young people who are undertaking this dangerous journey, things can be done better to prepare them for the trip if they still want to go. Eh? or to restrain some of them who might want to do that. You see, mm -hmm. I think there's still a lot of work to do in, in yes. the area of your migration dialogues. Uh, sorry, yeah, migration dialogues. You know, to, to help people better. And like, I, like we have agreed, in as for migration, you can't really stop it. It's going to happen, whether we like it or not, for different mm -hmm. reasons. Okay, so then your work should really intensify in the area of the dialogues, especially from the sending countries. Yes. Do you agree uh, with me? Can you answer that in one, just one minute? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a lot of work needs to be done and outreach to reach uh, potential migrants to inform the population. Um, it's not only the want to be migrants, but also their family and their sort of risks and opportunities need to be there. But at the same time, the receiving country should also create more opportunities for legal migration. So I think on both sides, a lot of work still needs to be done. Yes. Okay. Unfortunately, we run out of time. 
And I think we're going to have to pick up this matter again because But just uh, before you sign up, tell, yes. tell tell our listeners about your your college, your practical no, skills. Yeah, and there's no time for that. All oh, right. <laughs> yeah, we got to get no. it. Yeah. Okay. So uh, okay. my time on this novel. So we want to thank you so much for your time. And I think we got to. You got to come. We have to delve into some more issues. Yes. Please, I can come back anytime you want. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to talk with you. Yes. Thank you so much. All right. You have a nice day. I will speak again later. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Discussing on the real impact of current European migration policies with Mr. Matai Plume, who is the director of the Eastern uh, uh, Dimension of the International Center of Migration and Policy Development based in uh, Brussels and uh, Vienna. Yes. Well, you have enjoyed this uh, morning, I'm sure. Thank you, Uncle Bobo, for your wonderful, brilliant questions, and uh, thank you for joining us. Well, those of you who listened but couldn't call, want to wish you a very good day, a very good week, until we come your way next week by God's grace. Thank you so much. Have a lovely day, and God bless you. Bye. Blast! Hey. Hey.